welcome to another episode of Navigating the Rise. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for continuing to listen to my show. And today, as most of you have mentioned, really want to hear more from Asian entrepreneurs in general. So today, I have a really awesome guest named Serbi Latour. Well, I met her in one of our uh, at, at a conference actually, and we were the co-panel of the AI panel or something. I, I forgot. It's been a while. So it's definitely great to have met her at that uh, at the conference Infocom, and so Serbi has is now the current CEO and founder of Rammer, basically the conversational um, AI assistant for the office and meetings. So I would let Serbi just introduce herself, so I don't making sure that give her the best. <laughs> Thanks, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, nice to meet everyone here. I'm Surbi, the CEO and co-founder of Rammer.ai. Uh, we are building conversational intelligence as a service platform, um, basically building the functional building blocks that enables any product or business to analyze natural human interactions, whether they are in meetings or sales or customer support, and automatically analyze it, generating actionable outcomes and knowledge without having to use a wake word or um, a specific keyword. So like our, our our model and motto has been against the virtual assistant uh, where you have to speak to a bot. So that's that's the kind of difference. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, worked before in both startups and enterprises for the past uh, 10, 11 years. Uh, and primarily have been with a company called Amdocs for a long period of my time uh, in the contact center space and eventually in the conversational AI for telecommunication domain. And then started Rammer last year in May uh, with my co-founder, who's also from Amdocs. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's how we've evolved from uh, being working in a company to now founding our own company. And it's been one and a half years. Super crazy journey. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, I'm sure being an entrepreneur is very, very hectic. And there's all these up and ups and downs going forward. And the funny thing is, uh, actually, I was actually working on a project that's very similar to your space a while back. Uh, one internal project I was working on was, um, I wouldn't say like as much as what you're extent to, but it was more about in the office space, in a meeting space, where basically Elmali captures the conversation and it outputs actionable action items that need to take away and a summary of the entire meeting before to in the, to the next meeting for the follow-up meeting so it was just very interesting that you're in that you know, that space i know some of the challenges that goes through it's getting that speech right it's just very very difficult that's that's right and i mean we faced the similar problems too when we started and uh, i think we did a good combination of engineering and ai together hand in hand and uh, making everything available as functional building blocks to make sure that we can design. There are specific use cases which are very tailored to different products and businesses, and it's difficult to achieve that from a single experience. So that was kind of the motto of having a platform play as opposed to like an end-user product. Yeah. So I'm also really curious now, what prompted you to actually even start that journey of starting Rammer.ai? It was it was a lot to do with my co-founder. Like um, I think he had a lot of clarity of thoughts in terms of 
uh, where to go forward uh, with in the space. And we've been working together in the previous company in kind of similar roles. So uh, I was uh, doing a lot of pre-sales implementation there for the conversational AI at the at that place. And then Toshish, my co-founder, was uh, on the building side of things. So. Uh, I think when it, it was a time when we realized that, uh, well, this this whole space is really interesting of having to facilitate conversation of a human and machine like bots and virtual assistants. But there's so much more information which is just wasted and lost when two people talk amongst each other. And um, we just, um, I think, connected and ideated on that and move forward. He, of course, had... Uh, much more clarity than I had and uh, yeah I think it was a good team to start with so natural forces came together (laughs) got it got it that's awesome wait so I'm also curious I mentioned the background logically it makes sense but I'm sure there's that emotional push right that actually prompted you to actually say hey you know what let me move forward I'm curious about that emotional draw and the emotional you can say the mindset change that actually went into that jump yeah, I think my last company really prepared me for this. So, I mean, in the division uh, that I was kind of like in uh, the whole product, they gave me a lot of like autonomy and freedom of managing every single aspect of the product that we were building there, uh, right from, you know, talking to the right customers or whether it's uh, influencing the product roadmap and things like that. And uh, because I I got to see past that role and saw that, oh, if I was really owning this piece by myself, I would have controlled and influenced much more and, and made a bigger impact than just the piece that I'm doing right now in this big organization. So I, I think it was a lot to do with if if there is a possibility and you see a clear vision of you making a bigger impact and you just cannot because it's a big organization that gives you that emotional push of okay let me do something where i can create that impact and yeah a lot of people face that in big organizations i think i see i see well because i know some other entrepreneurs when they went they say you know what like uh, some of the best advice or well, not best by you can tip away they gave to others aspiring entrepreneurs is that hey like make sure you have like six months to a year worth of savings in the bank because you never know when the revenue is going to come in. He's like, he didn't get his first funding. For example, one of my past guests said he didn't get his first funding until a year in. So basically he was working on sweat equity for a whole year. So you kind of want to get people prepared that I'm curious about your perspective. Is your perspective similar or uh, or just other kinds of things you, that you experience that's a bit different? Yeah, so my co-founder was in the Bay Area and I was in India when we were starting the company. So uh, when I kept going to the Bay Area, like after I quit my job and, you know, like just moved there temporarily, uh, there was definitely like the Bay is full of the whole funding scene, right? Like you want to get funded before you start a company. And everyone just comes with that perspective. I was very, very lucky to meet... um, Stramana Mitra, and uh, she was basically, uh, she is the founder of 1M1M, which basically works with uh, globally uh, across the world, lots of entrepreneurs, and just help them understand the whole ecosystem of starting a company. And she's very against the motto of getting early funded, like she really promotes bootstrapping. And I think that was a very, very good support and mentorship that we got early on. So 
although we wanted to think in terms of the funding lines that you know let's go and raise money and uh, you know then we'll build our stuff um, it, we we just moved a lot in terms uh, on the whole bootstrapping path and uh, it was never a question for us when we started the company that uh, do we have enough money to start the company i mean the the urge was so strong frankly that um, it was just like we'll figure it out you know uh, and I think um, uh, both me and Toshish, we have this attitude that we, we don't like taking no for an answer. And, and we, we try to find ways here and there uh, to navigate hurdles that have come along the way. And that was a very good um, a good, a good approach or bad approach. I don't know. We ended up spending all the cash on that. Uh, but uh, we did not think and plan for um, having a funding in place. It was just like, Let's get started and we'll figure out on the way whatever comes by, whether it's spending our own money or raising funds. So, wow, yeah. that's very interesting. I have actually a lot of questions now that got keeps my curiosity from this conversation. <laughs> well, first of all, um, is so you are working in India and, you, and your co founder is SF. Are you still yeah. in India or you're now based in SF now? Or no, so my co-founder was basically in uh, in our previous company yeah. called Amdocs when he was in the Bay Area. But when we started the company, he obviously, like before even we started the company, he left his job and he came back to India uh, because uh, he was on another visa. Uh, and then when he came back to India, you know, visa issues, like that's, that's the story of our life at the end of the day. Having having the right visa to step in, uh, specifically U.S., has been like the struggle of uh, most of the Indian entrepreneurs, I think. Uh, so he came back to India and then we had we have business visa, basically, which gives you a way to uh, travel back and forth to the U.S. to talk to the customers, meet with the investors. So that's kind of what we used. Uh, but uh, we did not have a visa to actually live in the U.S., um, so that's something that we had to navigate through as we did as started the company. As of today, we have a place in, I mean, we have people in Seattle. Uh, I am uh, right now filing my O1 visa. So I actually travel to US only on business purposes to kind of like uh, stay there, do my business, which is actually like my role. <laughs> yeah. But my co-founder has his, um, I mean, our, our O1 processes, our, uh, our O1 visas are in process right now. So we're fe- keeping our fingers crossed that it should be. Wow. I don't know what's that. Yeah, I know the visa issues can be complicated. And I noticed that last time we were at the panel, you're like, uh, basically have your entire schedule packed. It's like, okay. I'm- exactly. Yeah, I remember we had that conversation and I told you, like, this is the app and see, I've booked like meetings with all the people who have come yeah. in Infocom. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I was just telling you, and I think um, there was another person there. I can't remember his name. Uh, but yeah, we were discussing about how we ne- I need to make more effective use of my time in the US because of uh, all this visa. Yeah, I think issues. because yeah. like I was supposed, so I was planning to go to Infocom anyway from for work. And then so when the Yamaha reached out to me, hey, are you interested in like be a panel? I was like, oh, at first I actually had a had a had a, a, a little bit of a tough battle between myself and the team and the HR because they're saying like they were thinking about like so I work for a Japanese company right at the time, and so they're very conservative in terms of branding among other things right. They're saying like oh here's like with went through like here's all these different things what the risks that we're because I work on innovating new products, and the product hasn't been launched yet, right? So I can't really talk about any of the things I was working on. 
Uh, so it's kind of hard to like talk about my experience, but not really mention the projects exactly what the implementation use case are, right? They're like, you know, make sure these are not talked about. And then they're like, let's do this. And then so just like went through that. And not only did I know the deck uh, that they created for us, they want to look at it first, making sure like, like my title is completely okay. And then everything's okay. So it's like making sure like it's probably a structure. And so I actually hasn't changed my title last time, like the last minute because they say, oh no, because it creates this, uh, this, you know, perception, blah, 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 blah. So, okay, fine. We'll change it. And it was, it's fine. And then like, so it was, it was like a, it was like a, a little bit of ordeal to like make sure everything's okay before I went, I went there. So it was, it was uh, very interesting, I must say. Yeah, I remember you talked about it uh, at some time saying, uh, I would have disclosed this in more details, but unfortunately I can't. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's kind of weird. So I was like, I really want to talk about it, but it's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like, I try to be more hypothetical, but it's kind of hard. Some, not everyone can see the hypothetical. They want to see like, hey, what does that mean? Give me an example, right? And then so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now for, so I'm curious now, when you, so you basically, you operate out of India and have teams in Seattle. What do you say is the most interesting? So I actually worked in India too for a little bit. I was in Chennai for for for, for business, and I have my own perspective. But I'm curious about yours. Oh, in terms of the way you look at problem, the look we look at the reality from both different culture. What do you notice the difference are based on your experiences? Yeah. So basically, I mean, I'll I'll. To give a better context, I'll just like step back a little bit and say that, so we joined Techstars Accelerator Program early this year and once we graduated and that was in Seattle. And that's why we have now a team in Seattle because after we graduated from Techstars, we raised our first round of funding uh, by Flying Fish uh, Partners, which is uh, which is very like AI, ML, early stage focus fund. And we're very fortunate to have Jeff on our board because uh, he led the round and uh, it was great because he comes from a very synergistic uh, background of building speech and NLP at Microsoft for years. So um, after we closed our funding round, then we hired a bunch of people, exceptional rock stars in Seattle, who I'm very proud of. We just like closed all of these positions recently. So you will see LinkedIn post coming in the following weeks about those announcements. <laughs> we have like announced that. But uh, all this while, we've had a team in Pune, which was really the backbone of the company since we started the company. And we have like uh, our number one and number two employees, which has completed like one year with us. So it's awesome. Uh, but uh, we've start, we've grown the company on from Pune uh, in India. And we were like six people when we entered Techstars. And now we are 16 people here uh, and a lot of product and engineering based in Pune and uh, a lot of customer facing roles and leadership positions in Seattle. So that's how kind of we've structured it. Got it. Got it. So. Yeah. Now, now looking in, uh, in terms of like, I'm curious, so that's a great background. Curious now when you look at things, say when you're doing, even looking at problems, I know like, for example, in certain cultures, certain cultures, I speak multiple languages. Like the way to look at how the, problem or how the world is different because of the language and the culture they're experienced in. So I'm really curious about your, your, your experience. Take more from, actually, I don't know too much about Indian culture because I'm not from India. Uh, I have a glimpse of it. So I'm curious about more on the core premise of there as well of what you notice in the U.S. and how people look at the world a little bit differently when it comes to like 
when you're starting up this uh, Rammer.ai? Yeah, I think uh, the culture in West Coast, uh, primarily, uh, not even West Coast, I would say like startups in the US or that kind of an ecosystem is like really super hardworking. And on in India, uh, a lot of people who work uh, in this kind of uh, small, medium-paced environment are itself very complementing to that culture, right? I mean, they, I never felt that there was a disconnect in the kind of, um, like, I would say, the routine of the work, the communication, uh, what work we do, the urgency, uh, handing off, independence, autonomy, accountability. Like, I've, we've never faced that issue, thankfully, uh, since the beginning. Uh, I think in India, as more and more people here are working with a lot of, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, outside companies that have a lot of dev teams here, it's it's kind of like prevalent now everywhere, right? Uh, so a lot of, right, a lot of engineering, Indian engineering actually interacts with um, the people outside India a lot more uh, than before. So that has kind of like bridged the gap overall in aligning cultures and aligning, understanding different uh, priorities for different people at different times so we thankfully never had that problem even though in the beginning when we started the company we had a lot of young people in the company and now we've started to hire very senior folks uh, but um, yeah I've, I've never seen that uh, especially in our in our team in our company so it worked out pretty well I think it was because of the people that we got on board uh, they we never had to face that challenge I see I see well that's that's really good news because in my experience working abroad it was a little bit different where, uh, for example, in especially in East Asia part of region, where basically we don't, we don't ever do business in the office. All the business is done outside the office. All the agreements and everything else was all agreed outside the office, not inside the office. Yeah. So basically the office just to share information. That's basically it. The actual handshake happens outside the office. So in a way, we're actually still working outside the office, but over like entertainment. So that is very central in East Asia to locking deals. Uh, just just be logical, present all the facts and everything. It's great, but uh, the relationship they use relationship to make decisions. So they was they will pick someone they like, they feel more comfortable with, over someone who's more capable because of that trust. So it's, so it's, it's a bit so the fun, that's why I kind of asked that question because in my experiences, it's a little bit different. But maybe if for your case, it's probably the same. But if there's anything that's different, happy to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, I am a very big believer in value-based selling as opposed to relationship-based selling. And um, I think um, like we want to work with customers and partners who see value and capability as opposed to the relationship, right? I mean, obviously, relationship gets developed if you are working towards the success of each other. And that should really be the foundation of that relationship eventually. And uh, we were very fortunate. In fact, the first three pilot customers that we ever got uh, as the company were all, I've never met them until this year, February, because I was remote, right? Uh, all the first three, the, literally the first three customers that we had were all on remote selling. And um, I'd never met them once, never physically shown them my faces. And right. And they, they were so, they are so amazing because uh, they are very aligned on us providing the right value and 
you know, showing them the right capabilities in the product as opposed to, hey, are you around my office to come and chill? <laughs> so, yeah, I think, um, and, and it also instills from the company itself. If you are very pro, like value-based selling, it will just reflect like that in the conversation that you have on the first goal. So I have seen relationship-based sellings as well before because I was in kind of like a pre-sales sort of a role. Uh, I have seen people doing that as well. And I think it's just different approaches. Uh, Nothing is bad or nothing is good. It's very culture. It's very people approach. Um, Yeah. Got it. So would you say uh, in India as well is more about value-based selling than the relationship-based selling as well? Uh, we don't have many Indian customers. Uh, right. So uh, we, yeah, so all our customers are in the North America. So it's very difficult for me to give a comment on this because I've never worked with Indian customers. Yeah, the one customer we have in India is very value-based. So I wouldn't want to generalize. Yeah, I know because yeah. India is very different. And then when I was working in India, the first thing I was surprised was like, wait a minute. Every part of India, they speak different language. It gets communicate using English. <laughs> I was like, what? So that was like a huge takeaway for me. It's like, wait a minute. Like, you guys don't have a yeah. centralized language? It's like, no. We, we all speak our own thing. We communicate using English. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. That yeah. Was, yeah, that was, that was yeah I'm sure the sales in India, yeah, the sales in India are like a little different. Uh, and I think the sales in India also depends upon state by state, like you said like a different language for every state. I'm sure there is a different culture of selling in every state. And uh, we're not much aware of that just because the product that we are developing um, works in English <laughs> at this point of time. And uh, we uh, and uh, North America is really our client base at this point of time. Jump back a little bit to what you mentioned earlier. I mentioned about like, I have so many questions about what you just said. Uh, was uh, one thing that's really interesting to me was you mentioned that is the, the the feeling was so strong that you just move forward and they figure you figure it out later, and I noticed that a lot about different entrepreneurs too. That's the kind of mentality you take. So normally you look at people like in corporate or anywhere else, people in general have to plan everything out where the future is, where the vision is, everything that. And a lot of entrepreneurs, you know what? I kind of see where it's going. I can see how great it can be. I'm just gonna move forward. And I'll figure all the pieces later. I thought that was really interesting. I'm curious, have you always adopted that mindset or has changed over the years that allows you to kind of create that mentality yourself? Yeah, I think I've always, um, I, I'm not sure. Like, yeah, I've, I have never been a planner, like a super planner from the beginning uh, that I would really understand, estimate, and then start doing something. I've, I've, kind of followed a lot of my passion or like the drive I would say not even the passion Uh, because sometimes it takes you a long time to identify what your passion is and I think you'll be figuring that out uh, all all your life but it's just a drive like sometimes you just have that strong drive or urge that says yeah uh, move forward and uh, carry forward your gut feeling so that's I think I've done that a lot of times before but this time it was very very it was such a high urge, frankly, uh, because my husband and I had filed a residency in Australia and we got that through and we were supposed to move to Australia that year. 
and he moved by himself to Australia because I had to come to US to run this company. So <laughs> it was it was it was that kind of a strong urge that I was like if I don't do it right now, I will never be able to do it again. And I'm losing time. Um I think I turned 30 that year and that whole FOMO of turning 30 and not being able to do something that you want to, it just like kicks you badly. So yeah i think it was like from all angles it was the it was the universe calling me and telling you better do this otherwise uh you you've kind of wasted your life that's 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 kind of how i felt at that moment uh very honestly so yeah wow that's a very strong urge i mean for me i have something similar where i'm not a big planner so when i even go on trips or going somewhere I will, so for example, even vacation, right? All I have booked is a plane ticket. And that's it. And then even hotels, like I will book it like a week before I leave. And eternity-wise, I was like almost like a day before, I was like, okay, let me plan out a couple of core things I want to do. Um, that's basically it. And then see where things go and see so I'll figure it out along the way. Uh, but the thing is, at work, I'm actually a little bit different because as a product person, I have to plan everything out, like product roadmap, everything. And also, as a previous engineer as well, literally, I'm thinking all the things that can go wrong and then trying to fix it. So in a way, it's like a, my natural tendency and my training are kind of in conflict. Sometimes I, got, I get caught in this dual mentality where without that training, I'll just, I'll just do it. But because I have that training, I see all these, all these risks. Oh my God. I see all these potential things I can come up. And then that kind of creates like, that impasse a little bit before I move forward. Uh, so, so it was very interesting that you mentioned that, like you see the drive, you see the passion, just move forward. I think that reflects a lot with entrepreneur because if you think about it, entrepreneur for the most part, startups is pretty much a very low risk and sometimes it takes a long time before you actually get to where you want to be. If people see all the pitfalls, and all the things that stands in front of them, it kind of scares them. So the fact maybe perhaps that mentality allows the entrepreneur to move forward despite the upcoming mentality you can just figure it just figure it out you don't want to know now it doesn't matter if you know later or later uh now or later you just go through it anyway so yeah that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah and i guess uh, to your point uh of how you plan at the product level yeah i now i need to plan a lot more i mean like all this uh drive and jump onto decisions i can keep up to my personal self but now with the company, it's like much more planning is required at every stage. So yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, so <laughs> so definitely. So yeah, so kind of want to transition into toward the uh, end of our podcast, which is a quote. So you should end with either a short story or a quote. So this one, I think really we can, we can definitely dig deeper into that. So it's about like what brings success. It says success comes by making efforts that no one else does. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think um I think perseverance is like uh, like never giving up is something which very like resonates with me as an individual when it comes to success. I'm sure like I've we've just accepted that it's also about accepting what stage you are at, right? Like when I started the company, it's not like I have an Ivy League background or I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I would need to do more to get to the stages where other people who would need to do less. 
And I think it's a lot about accepting uh, what what stage are you at and then just not giving up. So, yeah, that's I think that's what success means to me as an individual. Got it. You mentioned about a couple of things you're doing uh, and doing more. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, like, uh, for example, if I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've done this before, uh, then I will have the leverage when I talk to investors or uh, other fellow team members, a much more clarity of thought uh, than I would as a first-time founder, right? And as a first-time founder, I just need more validation about my idea as opposed to a second-time founder. Uh, So that's like, for example, to get into maybe, to get a first round of funding, I would need customer traction with X number of customers versus if I'm a second-time founder, because I have thought through about this before, I might need to be not, I, I might need to do lesser to get to that stage. So that's, that's the kind of difference, which I feel is something that it, it's okay to accept, right? Yeah, got it, got it. And then also another things with the quote mentioned about uh, making effort that no one else does. I'm curious about if there's something else that you do that, that kind of makes you unique, not the company itself, just your personality traits that you do that actually that you're doing that kind of puts you in this interesting place. Uh, I, I really like talking to people <laughs> and like just um, understanding their values, what drives them. Um, I'm a super people person. And even here with my friends, it's like when I, when I speak to someone, they would say, uh, have you spoken to that person? It's been a while since I chatted with them. And I would be like, Oh yeah, I chatted with her like yesterday. And they were like, oh, yeah, how could we not remember that you would talk to almost everyone? <laughs> so I, I, like, I like talking to people, understanding what drives them, what motivates them. And just as, as an individual, I just like being associated to, with someone's journey. Uh, I've, even if I can play like a small part, it's, and it's not in the company itself. Like even when I would, for example, meet someone on a flight. Uh, I would later connect back if there was an interesting conversation and try to do something uh, to be able to be a part of what they're what they're working on or just like friends which have been together forever or some acquaintances which I've just known for a while so I just like enjoy I just enjoy being a part of someone else's journey got it so and then also one thing you mentioned kind of just recently right now is that about never giving up. I know in entrepreneurship, sometimes just like the world just throws stuff at you and it kind of stomp you down like over and over again. I'm curious about where do you find the, you can say the resources or the energy or things that allows you to weather those kind of super, super down days because I know that's happens to almost every entrepreneur. Yeah. I think, um, if you surround yourself with people who really care about you and support you, uh, anyone will get through those stages. And uh, it's it's the same for me as well. Like my family, my friends, the people that I talk to on a daily basis, they are very motivating and supporting by themselves. And uh, at times where you feel that low, uh, people around you would just, would just not make you feel like that. Uh, so it's great to have fellow friends who are also sailing in the same boat 
it's also great to have uh, friends who are not sailing in the same boat because they would talk to you something which is totally not related to what you're working on and you would see the other part of life uh, as as you would in this in this side so it's it's a good balance of people to have around you who can relate to what you're doing but also people who are just going to talk absolutely tangent to what you're working on and i think because of the fact that i've been surrounded by such people there's a good balance uh, that i don't get dragged towards one side ah uh, i see got to guess that's very interesting yeah so there are a couple of core things i noticed from this uh episode there's three main things i noticed let me know if i miss anything at all one you mentioned is that the uh, first congrats on the funding and apply and the team in seattle and india and you mentioned about that the culture is pretty closely aligned when it comes to working in digital to environment because of the working culture and especially in tech I mean, not to say all the us yeah i would say culture. like tech startups specifically yeah so tech startup and indian culture is very similar and then also we love talking a lot about just move forward then figure out things as they go and a very focus on the value based selling in the tech space and then and lastly you mentioned that to get through those really hard times you basically have people who support you it's almost like a support network that people you can turn to that you know like a safety net that no matter what happens there are people there who will accept you for whatever you are doing uh, so those are three main takeaways i got i was wondering if there's anything i'm missing or anything you want to add to this yes i think accelerators can be a great way to give you a support network that is something that i would like to add for the audience uh that if you are kind of like in the struggling early phase and looking to do more getting into an accelerator which is not just for the team that is helping you or the mentors but also the other co-founders or founders that work with you in the same batch they all become like a part of your support net so that's that's a route to get your very strong support net like i know after we've graduated from techstars it's like we have uh, our communications in the exact same way as we had like within techstars like we i still talk to everyone uh, we all help each other when the time is needed so even though we we do reach techstars mentors whenever we need help but us together like the the founders together all the companies together really support each other through thick and thin so yeah that could be one way to get get access to those those aligned founders <laughs> got it cool so sounds good well so thank you so much uh serbi i was wondering if people want to reach you how can they find you yeah absolutely uh you can reach me on linkedin or email me directly or uh serbi at rama.ai and i love talking to new people understanding your journeys and help in any way that i can oh cool. awesome thank you serbi if you like this episode please please leave an honest feedback and tune in to the next episode